This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, welcome back to episode number five of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers can use the power of podcasting in support of and to develop their practices, their businesses, even if they're not podcasting specifically about the law per se. My guest today is Miranda McCroskey, an Orange County, California area criminal defense lawyer who focuses on professional licensing defense. She began her legal career working in federal and local government and then later transitioned to private practice. And in 2003, she went solo. Miranda's podcast is called Lawpreneur Radio, and it comes out of her entrepreneurial spirit and her recognition that being a lawyer and being a successful business owner are not necessarily the same thing. Her goal is to educate, entertain, and inspire young attorneys and big law attorneys who are now going out on their own uh, who have the drive to become self-employed and to build their own firm's successes. So, Miranda McCroskey, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be on, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about when you got started with your podcast. How did that come about? Well, it's a great story. Um, I, I was looking for some inspiration. I wanted to do something different. I'd been on my own for 10 years, and I was kind of having the experience of living the same year over and over again, as opposed to living 10 years, living the same year 10 times. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, well, what can I do to be different? And I was thinking, not, not different to distinguish myself from other attorneys, but just to add something to my life and maybe add a passive income stream and maybe develop a platform. And I considered many areas to look at. I considered doing the mommy thing or the lawyer mommy thing or all sorts of things. And, and basically speaking to lawyers became obvious. I had the twenty almost 20 years of of history and credibility and am in the community. And then I didn't know what to do with lawyers. And I thought, well, what do we all have in common? Well, we all have MCLE, continuing legal education credits. So I'll teach something. And then I got really inspired. Well, you know, they say teach what you know. And I thought, well, I know how to run a business. I've done it for 10 years. It was my 10 year anniversary right about when I had these ideas. Uh And I thought, all right, I've got some credibility also behind that and some momentum. So I thought, I'll do a lecture. I'll do one lecture on how to hang your shingle. And then after I got this all thought out, I thought, what? that's not, that's not a passive stream of income. That's like a one-time shebang. Mm-hmm. So that was a bummer. And then right about that same time, I was a guest on another podcast called Exit Coach Radio. And it was there. The engineer in that radio studio said, you ought to have a podcast. And it was like the light turned on, the aha moment for sure. <laughs> and I thought, that's the answer. And I had never been a big podcast fan, but my husband does. When he cleans the dishes in the evening, I'm happy to say that he does that. He always has a podcast running, and his big thing is the paleo lifestyle, and he likes those guys. Um, But I knew podcasts were a great way to communicate with people and um, get a message out. So it was so it was done after that. That was on March 5th when I w- did that interview. Mm-hmm. And on April 1, I launched with my oh. first interview. And I built the website myself, which was unheard of. I mean, my criminal defense websites, I always pay other people large amounts of money to build them, uh-huh. thinking, I don't know how to do this baloney. But this one, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I was truly inspired. The minute the kids went to bed, I would run downstairs and work from like eight to midnight, getting this website up and Anyway, it was it was just um, I was driven, uh-huh. and 
I launched on April 1st, and for the first, uh, April, May, June, for the first three months, I did two interviews a week on Tuesday afternoons from two to three. And then uh, on July 1, I decided to go bigger, and I added another two. So now I do from two to four on Tuesday afternoons. And I just did my 72nd interview, and um, I'm at 12,000 downloads, and it's just been fun. It's been great to get to know all these people. That is awesome. So, so you set up the website yourself. Did you also set up the the hosting of the audio files? Do you do the post production on your show? Is there any post production um, to be done? Uh, do you do all that yourself too, or do you yes. have some help with that? No, I, I've gone through a variety of things. At one point, I hired an editor, but I didn't know what to pay them, and that started to seem silly. And then mm-hmm. I, there's been a real lot of um, a lot of. I could never do that. That's too big for me, like the website. And then I do it, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. And it's same with editing. I figured out I could do Audacity for free, and then I started playing with it, and it was fun. And I was like, oh, this is no big deal. So now my husband actually supports me in the podcast, and he does the editing for me. And um, for a long time, up until very recently, I had a virtual assistant who did a lot of the post-production for me as well. And she's amazing and wonderful um, however, my husband's available now to help out, so we do it this way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, would you say now your your show is targeted at uh, other lawyers and sort of the how to how to launch your own practice, how to hang a shingle and, and do it successfully? Yes, that's true. And I also interview people who support lawpreneurs. So I've had a surprising amount of, of business coaches on, and lawyers turn coaches has mm-hmm. been my favorite interviews. Frankly, have been the lawyers turn coaches. I'm always excited when someone leaves law. (laughs) I just, I'm always interested in someone who made the break. And, um, uh, yeah, so that's what I do. The entrepreneurial attorneys who are on their own and have already hung their shingle and the people that support them get the, get in getting there. Got it. Okay. And so this is, uh, set up with the intention of being a source of passive income you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Talk about that a little. How do you, how does that happen? Well, I, 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 am <laughs> only in my fifth month, okay. so I haven't, I haven't gone anywhere big with that yet. However, I do have sponsors mm-hmm. and I'm really proud to say, um, I'm just now literally today, um, in the process of getting my Q4 sponsors nice. and, um, provisors, which is an Orange County networking group have signed on to be a sponsor in Q4. And I do interview a lot of members of the provisors networking group. Um, so that's, it's a great marriage. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my case, which is an online uh, case management system for attorneys, they're one of my sponsors and have been in um, the previous quarter, as well as Ruby Receptionist. So getting the sponsors to pay a bit to be on each episode and having a personal endorsement from me because happens to be that I'm intimately related with all three of these companies. I'm a client of two and I'm a member of the other. So that's one way, but that's not it. Um, I have a lot of other dreams and goals. I just have to fit them in amongst running a law practice and a family and all of that. For instance, (laughs) coaching programs and books. And, um, you know, I do a full web page for every, or a full blog post, I should say, for every, uh, every guest who comes on. And, um, that in itself could be turned into a book. So Hmm. I'm thinking about all these ideas and how to monetize all the time. Sure. So what's been the hardest part of getting the show? Um, you're five months in. It's, it's up and running. It's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> what's been the hardest part of making that uh, happen? I'm thinking. My first reaction is none of it's been hard. And that's, I think, because it was just 
I've been just so inspired and so guided. You know, it's the kind of, I have other things in my life that sound like a great idea and why don't I do that? And those occur as really hard. There's a lot of, I can't do that conversation. And, um, you know, sometimes we stop ourselves from like, for instance, calling the Q4 sponsors. I put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and found a lot of other important things, quote unquote, important things to do other than make those calls. Isn't and that I finally just like had a lawyer not right? make the sales right. call. <laughs> exactly. And I finally had a come to Jesus meeting with myself and I'm like, you need to do the thing that's going to bring in the income and that would be that call. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you asked what was the hardest part. Um I think it's, you know, getting the monetizing section up and running. Mm-hmm. I went to a podcasters um meetup group recently mm-hmm. and it was through Podcasters Paradise, which yep. is the John Lee Dumas mm-hmm. program. And it was a nice meetup and it was great to meet like-minded folk. There are maybe 10 of us there. I walked out of that though, telling my husband, for goodness sakes, five months ago, no one had any opinion on how I should or shouldn't do a, a podcast. And today there's all these shoulds. I should have a funnel. I should have um, marketing. I should have a book. I should have an ebook. And I'm like gasping. I'm so overwhelmed by all these shoulds. Uh-huh. So that might be, okay. that might be the, the challenge is the well, doing it, everything there is to do. Yeah, it, it is easy to get caught up in the internet marketing stuff and that aspect of, of podcasting. But podcasting doesn't have to be just about uh, setting up a, a sales funnel for physical products or, or info products and things like that. You know, you have a law practice to, to run, and that's your, for, the, for, for now anyway, the primary source of your income, as it is for me as well. Um, you know, so, and you can do your podcasting in support of that as well. And so talk about that a little bit. How has it been? Because it's not directly targeted at your audience of potential criminal defense clients. <laughs> Has it helped your practice though, nevertheless, to be doing this? Uh, not one measurable iota. Mm. And I don't care at all. Um, it's funny. A lot of my colleagues, when I tell them I'm doing this, they all go straight to, that's an interesting marketing tool. How's it helping you? Uh-huh. And, um, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, nobody has called and said, I heard about you on the radio. Will you represent me? And again, I don't care. That wasn't the point of it. Um, at the end, and I, I, I interview anybody who wants to be. I don't have any kind of like you're a criminal defense attorney. I don't want you on. None of that. Mm-hmm. I figure there's enough to go around and the universe will reward. I also figure I'm the voice they hear for 72 shows. These other people come and go. Yeah. So um, if something great comes of it, that's great. But that's not the point. Yeah. And really, you know, five months in is a pretty short amount of time to, to be looking for measurable indicia of anything. Yes. Um, so, um, so. Talk to me a little bit about well, – you, you record in a studio, the studio that you mentioned earlier. Tell, tell us a little bit about yeah. how that works and the technology involved there. And- Definitely. And there's total pros and cons. I mean I've never done anything but this, so I don't know firsthand alternatives, but I have heard. And I talked to John Lee Dumas for a minute once about it, and, and he was like, I do this in my living room. You couldn't get me out of my living room. And I said, you know, I appreciate that, but – as an attorney, one of the pros on what I'm doing, and, and I'll back up and say what I am doing is there's a little radio studio in Orange County, California, over by in Costa Mesa, and um, it's called OC Talk Radio, and there's a number of shows that come out of it, and I have my block of time, and I show up, and there's a great engineer, Paul Roberts, and he takes care of me, and he does my intro and, and does the commercial breaks in between, and, um, and of course, my outro and all that. And I do pay him for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that's a con, um, you know, that makes my project cost more. And 
I actually do need to monetize it somewhat if I don't want to be out of pocket. But the pros are this. I'm dealing with professionals who run on schedules. And I have found that when I say your interview is at 2 o'clock on Tuesday and, and we're doing it live and um, then it's going to go to podcast, nobody's messing around with me. I've had a couple cancellations, but they give me notice. I've had very few. Out of 72 interviews, I've had like three cancellations, and no one's late ever. And I find that when I think about shifting it to do it at my office or something, I worry about not having that, not having it locked in place mm-hmm. as firmly as it currently is. And I know for myself, I, I wouldn't want to... I would want to bend over backward and be lenient and tell people, oh, yeah, you can be 15 minutes late, but that wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. So, um, yeah, the con would be the expense and the pro would be the the structure. And um, the location works for me, so there's nothing about that. And people seems to work for other people. They come a lot. The majority of my interviews are in person, Mm -hmm. which is great. It adds a lot of um, energy. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So you get there, your, your guest arrives, you sit down in the studio, I presume you chit chat a little bit while the engineer does his thing and gets the levels going and then, and then off you go, you record the show and when the end comes, the end comes and you're done. Is there more to it for you? Well, you you said there is some post-production that goes into the show. Um, What else? Uh, Paul gives me the episodes on an SD card and I bring them home and we download them to our computer and use audacity to edit them. And um, sometimes they're all four in one chunk and we cut Mm -hmm. them apart and sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. That's neither here nor there. Um, we do cut out some of the big ums and things like that. I, I get a little obsessed with it. I could spend forever doing that. It's like I said, it's fun, but, um, I, 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 I try not to do it at all. I, you know, it's that whole thing about what an attorney should be doing with an attorney's time. Sure. Um, so that's the post-production. And then we, uh, my husband usually takes the show notes that I've been writing during the interviews and puts them onto the blog post and, um, uh, sometimes I'm unable to write good notes because it's really important to me to be present during the interview. I actually push the mic out of the way and lean mm-hmm. back and really get it, look in their eyes, you know, I'm really talking to them. Um, and so taking notes isn't working so well, but, uh, ultimately we re-listen or we do what we do. And, um, we sometimes take, well, actually every time we take a one minute clip out and put that as well. The idea is that people can repurpose it however they want, and the one-minute clip works well to put on LinkedIn and Facebook and like that. That's and, great. Uh, uh, yeah, I noticed the one-minute clip in your feeds, and uh, and I thought that was a very clever thing. Uh, it does, add, of course, add to the post-production time because you have to do that and, yeah. and publish it in that form as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's really, really pretty cool. So let me add, ask, ask this sort of the big objection question. How much of your, other than the time actually sitting there in front of the microphone, how much of your time goes into putting together your show for each episode? It's a good question. I've never thought it out, so give me just a second. Okay. I would, the first few months, a huge amount of time. Well, sure. A huge, but as I said, I was just driven, so I, I didn't, I, it was like fun, you know, fun and games. So um, that did eat up a lot of time, though, to build the website and, mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the assistant, and I can tell you she was – I was paying her nine – she was doing nine hours a week, mm-hmm. so that should answer it. For a long time – well, for the five months, she's doing nine hours yeah. a week um, <clears throat> at a not inexpensive hourly rate, um, which is why we shifted. Um, I'd love to have her back, but anyway. And then my husband – I haven't asked him how much time he puts in. He's been going through his own learning curve. It's its not an un, it's not a small amount of time. Okay. It's some time. Right. 
Yeah. yeah, I think for a lot of lawyers, when I talk to them about you know podcasting either as a marketing tool or or as an adjunct to something uh, in their practice, that is usually the big objection. It's going to take up so much of my time, and and uh, uh, a lot goes into you know developing a, the right workflows and and streamlining things as much as yes. possible. But there is necessarily some prep. You, you, I presume you also have some before the interview uh, time that you put in getting ready to know what question to ask and sort of how, um, how to lead the conversation. I have a flow and I use it the same thing every time. And so far that's working. I ask them about their journey and they get to just free talk for three to four minutes about how they got where they are. And then I ask them about, uh, I say every entrepreneur knows how to fail fast so they can succeed faster. Please tell us about some failure or learning moment you've had that has you be the successful lawpreneur that you are. And then we go to commercial and then I come back and say, tell us about some of your successes and then I say, tell me what's on your desk. And that's if there are a coach or something like that, I say, how do you serve a lawpreneur? Mm-hmm. And then we get straight. Like I have a commercial real estate agent coming on. Oh. And the question, you know, why? Well, well because if you're going to go on your own and you're not going to be housed in the big law firm that you've been in for the last 15 years, should you rent an office? Should you rent a virtual office? Should you invest your money and buy a space? I say get a professional, get a commercial real estate person to help you out. Even though we're attorneys and we think we know everything, you know, get a professional. So that's how I parlay the people that aren't the obvious choices into mm-hmm. why it's relevant. Mm-hmm. But those are the questions I wanted to know 10 years ago when I went on my own. And that's what this is. This is the conversations I wish I could have listened in on 10 years ago. <laughs> and I really make people get me, get me down and dirty. I also, the last two things I ask are tell me your favorite resources and any books that have inspired and led you. But the resources one, we really get into it because a lot of, I want to know. You know, I want to go paperless. What should I get? A scanner? And then mm-hmm. people will explain. Or um, a lot of times I talk about hiring staff. Mm-hmm. I don't have any staff. And um, I've heard from a lot of people it's kind of the watershed moment when you hire your first staff. And I talk a lot about how people knew to do that and when they did it and did it make a difference. Hmm. So I get a lot out of it yeah, <laughs> for myself. So, so what made you decide to go with this kind of a show, this subject matter, rather than something more directly tailored to marketing your kind of practice to your kind of clientele? Was there ever any thought about that or no. this is just what resonated for you? It definitely resonated. It was, it was right there for the, for the choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, I kind of walked through it with you and I yeah. said, what, what do all lawyers have in common? I could have focused just on the criminal defense bar and I could have had them on and to tell war stories and that would have been a fun show. I could still do that. And when they come on, we can do that. Um, I didn't want to be that limited mm-hmm. to just my criminal defense bar is big and um, we're tight, but I, I didn't want to be limited to those people. And so uh, I opened it up to all lawyers who are on their own. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, I'm in a number of networking groups and there's a number of lawyers who are on their own that do so many different things. Mm-hmm. It just didn't occur to exclude them. Sure. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. so, what what is it about podcasting you think that's effective in well you started to talk about the communication the effectiveness of it as a communications tool so elaborate on that a little bit well a lot of people don't have any idea what i'm talking about <laughs> they don't know what a podcast is they haven't the slightest idea how to access it on itunes or yeah. any of that and and then it's nice that they can access it through my website um so that way i'm kind of hitting all people who mm-hmm. but the answer is it was because of my husband being such a fan that I 
and then John Lee Dumas. Uh-huh. He had such success. I mean, he's been a really guiding light for me and a lot of other podcasters. Now, for those, um, for those who aren't listening, who don't listen to John Lee Dumas, who aren't familiar necessarily with that, uh, he has a show called Entrepreneur on Fire, and he does a daily interview. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, daily. I mean, you know, it is a full-time job for him to, to do this. Uh, I understand he batches things and does all his interviews on one day of the week and then releases them, you know, every day. But, um, you know, and he's generating quite a substantial income from his venture here and uh, yeah. with sponsorships and products and training courses and things like that that he sells. And it's fantastic. So uh, that's a certainly a worthwhile point of inspiration. And um, anyway. I, yeah, his, I, his, his transparency... He even puts his profit and loss statements on his mm-hmm. blog post. His transparency really made me think, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And nothing disparaging about him, but really, if he can do it, I can do it. And so that sure. that gave me a big boost forward. Now, I do see things that he's pulled off that I don't find I have – that I'm not willing to spend my time doing right now mm-hmm. just because of everything I'm doing. Sure. But um, – Okay. So talk about your favorite moment so far from your podcasting experiences. Mm. That's a great question. And I'm um, just getting present to it. Let's see. (laughs) I don't have like a favorite moment, but one of my favorite aspects, I feel like I have a lot more friends now. And and I mean, the guests, what I'm saying is having, it's a 20 minute conversation. It goes by in a heartbeat, but we're looking, most of us are in together uh, face to face. We're eye to eye. We're having a real conversation. I've had friends that I've known for 10 years that I've interviewed on this show that have told me things I didn't know about them, their background. You know, I just, just that, um, in life over the few beers we've had or the few hellos in court or whatever, it just never came up and, um, really connecting with them. I like it when I lose myself in the podcast and I just feel like I had a great time with a friend. I've had a couple people that have just cracked me up and I've just been laughing so hard I couldn't stop. And that felt like, like such a victory to be able to, to be that connected. And I also feel like, um, I'm starting to call people that have been on the show. I'll, I'll say to them, that's amazing. I have to have that for myself. I'll be calling you and I'll call and pick their brains on things after. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I feel like we're friends. I can do that. And that's, that's my favorite part. And you know what? Let me just say this. Sure. Sometimes when I started to, to lose money, I am, I'm, if Q4 shows, if my sponsors for quarter four come through the way I think they will, I'll be able to do quarter four without losing any money. Mm-hmm. However, there has been some times recently when my law firm is paying for this and that doesn't work for me. That's not the intention. Right. And so, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, when I consider stopping or slowing down based on that, I do kind of a gut check and I'm like, I don't want to. I, as long as this breaks even, I'm going to keep doing it. It doesn't have to make me money because it's such joy just to have these conversations and to put them out there. That's great. You know, one of the things I'll, I want to say on that is, you know, first of all, if you were advising any other startup business, um, you know, in the first three quarters of its life to be looking at that bottom line and trying to make a decision about whether to stay or go, that's pretty early in the game plan to, to be making that decision, isn't it? You want to have a pretty good long runway to get going and decide whether something's profitable. And, 
you know, so, <laughs> so if that, you can afford, if well, you can afford it. Yeah. Uh, well, of course you have to be able to, uh, keep the right. doors open and, and, <laughs> and the lights on, of course. Right. But, um, you know, the other thing is that what you're doing is building a platform from which other things will be able to spring. And, yeah. uh, so it really is an investment and a, and a foundational thing at, at the early stages. And, uh, so I encourage you to stick with it. I think you've got a great show. I've listened and, and, uh, really enjoy it. We were talking about favorite moments. Talk about your worst nightmare moment. If you've had any, so far um <laughs> when my bank account labeled lopreneur radio bounced <laughs> <laughs> which just happened because the engineer took the money and there wasn't enough in there that stinks mm. because then i think oh now i have to pull money from the other account yeah um not a nightmare just you know price of doing business but in, no nothing bad has happened nobody's done anything crazy on air oh i did have one guy okay i <laughs> I had, it was one of my first people I'd ever had on that wasn't a friend of mine. You know, okay. the first bunch of interviews are people you know, mm-hmm. or at least for me it was. And um, especially since I'm entrenched with attorneys all the time, it was really easy to just ask a bunch of people on. Well, this is the first guy. He's a stranger. He's from out of state. He's calling in all these new and different things. Mm-hmm. And he like took over the show. I didn't ask any of my questions. He just went for it. And, uh, <laughs> That was a little bit of a challenge. I was looking at my engineer, and he's making eyes at me, and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> so um, that hasn't happened since, but I've also probably I maintain control a little better now. <laughs> sure. Well, interviewing is a, is a learned uh, art form and skill, and uh, you keeping control is definitely something you, you, you have to work at and learn. So that's great. So what advice would you offer to – some other lawyer or professional who's starting out and thinking about doing a podcast for uh, either for marketing purposes or whatever. Um, I'm going to think about that answer. Let's see. I think you have to really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned many times that all those hours and like that didn't seem like work for me because I was so driven. I could see it was the answer to, mm-hmm. it was the vision I've been looking for. Um, so I'd say it just being a nice idea, it's too much work for that. That's part of it. And, um, consistency and volume. When I knew that John was doing it once a day and his numbers were shooting up and even then he said he didn't go for sponsorships until six months. And I was thinking, Oh man, I need him sooner than that. Um, I, that's when I moved from two to four a week Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, that takes time. So the advice would be, figure out what you're looking for. You know, if you just want something fun that you release once in a while, and um, I don't know what the purpose of that would be, but if (laughs) if you just want to do that, there's that. And if you really want to go after it, you have an end game in mind. And you're right when you say platform. If they're not not that kind of thinker, if they don't want to build a platform that they're going to actually offer things to in the future, they might, well, that's when you might want to only release them slowly because that's not your end game. Yeah, well, now you are doing a fairly high volume show. So you've, you're doing five months. You've done seventy something episodes, uh, and you're doing now four a week. Yes. Yeah, I have been since July doing four a week. I mean, that is pretty substantial. Most podcasters are out there doing you know one a week, <laughs> and uh, you know stockpiling some episodes once in a while so they have something in, for the week when they're not there and so on. Have you thought about or have you made plans to do that so you can take a week off in the holidays or or uh, to go on a vacation or what's your plan for that? Um, once in in early August, I went to Miami and I did the show from there from my hotel room through the Skype, 
the, the Skype. I sound like an old person. <laughs> Skype. Um, and that worked. And then last week I went on vacation and just was dark for the day. And we just released them a little slower, staggered them out a little. But yes, I do need to stockpile. But remember, I pay for studio time. So sure. I have to think to myself, am I going to Am I willing to pay the money to go in and, um, well, I don't even know what I'd do. I guess, <laughs> yes, I should stockpile. Well, you also do have enough episodes in the can that you could release a, you know, a favorites episode or, or just say, I know, do. this is one of our most popular ones. And I could, I could, there's so much I could do. I, I want to take the, I want to take 10 of the one minute clips mm-hmm. or maybe 20. Well, probably 10 and then talk around them and like make a theme. Mm-hmm. You know, here's 10 clips from 10 criminal defense attorneys on what to do. It's just, you know, who has time? So <laughs> there's that objection again. <laughs> well, that's great. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience? This is mostly targeted at lawyers that are thinking about starting a podcast or who have a podcast and, and, um, any other insights for them? Well, I was just thinking today actually about sharing our audiences. And what I mean, I have a specific idea. I, I interviewed someone yesterday who has Esquire coach radio and oh. I'm going to, I have not done this yet <laughs> and I'm putting it out there. I'm going to ask her if she would invite her former guests to come on my show and vice versa, because they're, they're similar. We, we would, mm-hmm. it works. And you know, if we all kind of did that, mm-hmm. that would be helpful. Um, I think, I think community and conglomeration and non-competition is, is the way to go. So that would be my advice. Get into a community, whether it's John Lee Dumas's um, Podcaster's Paradise or something else. Okay. Okay. Well, the power of podcasting for lawyers uh, community is, is uh, coming soon, too. So. Excellent. Excellent. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been really great. I've been, uh, enjoyed talking to you and, and hearing your insights. I know I've learned a, gra- a great deal from you, and uh, I'm sure the listeners have, too. So thank you. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Gordon. I appreciate it. How can listeners reach you and find your podcast and so on if they'd like to do so? Okay. So I'm Miranda McCroskey. And uh, from a lawyer perspective, I'm at McCroskeylegal.com. That's www.mccroskeylegal.com. And from the podcast, it's lawpreneurradio.com com And if you go on Lawpreneur Radio, you can see how to subscribe, see how to be a guest. I'm open to all sorts of guests. You can listen to any and all of the podcasts and interviews and um, sign up for the newsletter, too. Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. So um, uh, let me just say also a thank you to the listeners. Please uh, give us a moment of your time. Send us your comments and suggestions. The website for the show is at lawpodcaster.com. And if you're uh, listening in uh, iTunes uh, or not. <laughs> Go to the iTunes store and give us a review if you wouldn't mind. Honest reviews are always welcome. Uh, the more stars, the better, of course, but uh, we, we value your, uh, your critiques as well. So uh, that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. And if you're interested in podcasting for your law practice, please visit lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you the free law podcasting resource guide. I'll be launching the Power Podcasting for course uh, for Lawyers very soon, and you'll be added to the early VIP notification list. So until next time, keep podcasting. <laughs>